0: Hello and welcome to the Hot Stove Society Radio Show on Cairo Radio. Hello, Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we are here in the studio at the Hot Stove Kitchen, which is in the second floor of the gorgeous Hotel Andra, right here in downtown Seattle, 4th and Virginia. Uh, the studio is uh, is adorned with products from KitchenAid and Booze Blocks. They're our sponsor, and they have their... These booze blocks are almost 10 years old, these and tables. They're and they're gorgeous. still. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to have the booze man on today, and we're going to find out. Because in my home kitchen, I have this huge booze block island. Can you spell booze for me? B-O-O-S. Okay, I just want to make sure people island, understand what you're talking about. That, uh, <laughs> it's been there 25 years now, in direct sunlight, full Western exposure. Well, that's a good point. And so I'm curious, because it's starting to show some wear and tear. Uh, and I'm curious if just like, what my process is, is just to sand it and then and to re-oil it. But th- I wonder if there's a better way to be... Handling it. I have Something bo- that is as vintage as it is.
1: And I have a cutting board, a boost cutting board for like 25 years. I don't think it's moved an eighth of an inch yet.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And I use it all the time. By the way, I'm
0: Tom Douglas. And I'm Terry Rotter, the chef in the hat. Just back from the Rhone River Valley. That is correct. In, uh, in France. And we're going to hear all about that throughout the show today. We missed you for our three weeks, although our sit-in host... That Pamela uh, uh, subjected me to, including my daughter Loretta, the legal counsel and part owner of our company, and my wife Jackie, That's and my really partner good. Eric. So, That's good. You yeah. were in the family. That's Yeah, cool. I got tortured for three weeks. <laughs> People who really know you. That's nice. <laughs> Today's going to be a big show, as usual. Two hours of deliciousness coming your way. Uh, we have peak of the season picnic basket, because this, we, this weekend especially, is really our first weekend of summer weather. And um, I've already had to take my jacket off and, you know, like, God, it's hot in my car and all those kind of comments. Just I mean, short today. Yeah, it's officially it's summertime. Official. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure on Monday when it's supposed to be 88 degrees, there's going to be some Seattleites out crying, shaking some of the rust off of their bodies. So we're going to talk picnic baskets. What did you eat in France for two segments? Uh, both. Uh, I want to hear the trip that you took. And then maybe the second segment, uh, some of the things that you made. You showed me some of that fish that you had on the wood-fired grill. I
1: will definitely fill you in. Uh, the
0: hottest bar in Portland. Do you know the name of it? Uh, the bra. The, the sports, sports bra. bra. Yeah. So it's still the same three letters, but it's in a different format. Correct. And uh, the young woman or, who, I don't know if the she's owner. young, the owner yeah. who owns it is going to be on our show, Jenny Nyan. And this week's... Um, Super fast dinner ideas from the New York Times. Pamela, you are a religious New York Times reader because it's the best food page in the business. Correct. There's three that I follow, three food pages, New York Times, Washington Post, and L.A. Times. So those are my three weekly. The New York Times is definitely a top gun. The New York Times is more, I think, educational, whereas the L.A. Times, is just like it's always about what's going on in that city's food scene. Right. It's amazing. What an amazing food scene. Uh, down there with the ethnic diversity and it's just uh, it's awesome Uh, first though let's talk our taste of the week i have two i'm going to jump in real quick with one is the uh, columbia river spring kings we call them springers and we had them a couple of times this week including last night i had them with my new taco seasoning which is very citrusy like little lemon and lime crystals and then four different kinds of mild chilies and it's just it's a very bright. We use it on our fish tacos down at Seatown. Very bright seasoning, and I had it on my Spring King last night. Delicious. Uh, and then uh, another rub. I'm self-patronizing. I'm self no, I'm not patronizing. I'm promoting. Promoting. Another rub that I had at the same dinner with the Spring Kings. Do you remember, Pam? You ate it.
2: Yeah, it was the jerk on the eggplant. On the eggplant. Just hot fire onions, eggplant, and
0: give them hard, hard sears. You could just grill the eggplant on the wood-fire grill if you wanted and then bring it back in and chop it up. But I used uh, Trey Lamont's uh, Rub With Love jerky seasoning, Uh or jerk seasoning, and you have to be careful with that. It's got some kick to it. Uh, It was delicious. I love how broad. Yeah, but with
2: the smoke, it it sort of tamed it a little, I thought.
0: Well, I didn't use very much because I had a a wide audience of people having dinner, and you have to be careful with spicy food. In my world Uh, because some people just can't handle it. And I thought that night I was just going to make spicy eggplant. You know, and the people that want spicy could eat it. But then I kind of backed off, wimped out, and just made eggplant for everybody. Even you would have eaten it, Chef.
1: Well, it sounds really good. I mean, that jerk is really good. And you're right. It's so fragrant. You you just have to be careful about how much you use. But it is definitely beautiful. It's got a gorgeous nose. It's like when you put it on. You know what that
0: is, which I don't have in any of my other rubs, is ground bay. And oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't even think about it being so fragrant and delicious. Right. I never think about bay that way. You, usually it's, i go out pick one off my tree put it in my stock or I put it, you know, I right. right. steep cream in it for a bay whip or something like that. This is ground and it's a it's a major player in jerk spice. Right. So, and that's what it, when people smell it they go, well, "What is that?" because right. it's unusual.
1: No, it's not and also citrus kind of I don't know yeah. what's in there, that's yeah. everything that's in there. But it's, the a lemon,
0: it's a lemon powder.
1: It's really nice. Um, my taste of the week is going to be my uh, did a little trip to Vivian Bistro again, and uh, Chef Dana made, um, sent us a, a lettuce wrap, uh, soft-shell crab, crisp soft-shell crab, chopped up, in you know, all chopped, really fine, breadcrumb, peppers. I mean, that was definitely my taste of the week. I was like, this mm-hmm. is absolutely scrumptious, perfect kind of appetizer and it was really really delicious
2: so the shell and all everything is
1: chopped
0: ah. after it's cooked you've had those lettuce wraps where you have like the pigeon or the chicken that's all kind of chopped up and then you so it she it uses lettuce wrap she
1: uses gem lettuce on the plate and in the middle of the plate basically she has all the leaves around and in the middle of the plate is that amount of really finely chopped uh soft shell crab crumbs peppers um i don't know everything that was in there but i'm guessing there was onions too and everything is like super finely chopped, you know, and, and it's crispy. So it's so delicious. And then a the dipping sauce, like a, just a little bit of fish sauce and vinegar. Oh, my God. That was taste of the week and for where is, sure. where sure. is Vivian? Vivian Bistro is in Mercer Island. We had Chef Dana here um, on the show a few months ago or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just revisiting. I, of course, had that famous roast duck again with lemon, grilled lemon confit. Mm-hmm. Man, if you haven't had that, you definitely need to treat yourself to that. It's well, when
0: it's she good was at Peony in Bellevue. That's where I used to get that duck all the time. Right. And uh, I don't know what Peony is doing these days without her because she's I don't know. She's the driver of deliciousness there.
1: Oh yeah. She's or definitely was. doing a was. fabulous job. Yeah.
0: So Vivian Bistro, when yep. we come back we've got uh we're just getting in And getting rolling here today. Peak of the season. It's time to picnic. Let's talk about some quick picnic ideas that you can take out this weekend or next week when it's supposed to be beautiful. Fourth of July weekend. By the way,
1: this weekend you should stay at Hotel Andra tomorrow night and then stay here for the parade on Sunday. Because that street's going to be having a beautiful amount of people going through.
0: It Half is. Half a million. Half a million. Is that what the plan is? Wow. Well, I can imagine with the a new Supreme Court ruling today that it's going to be quite lively. Yeah. Very much. Uh, let's say we come back here in a minute on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. And we're back. It's the Hot Stove <laughs> Society show on Cairo Radio. I'm Tom Douglas. <laughs> and I'm Jerry Rutter, the chef in the hat. Our producer, Pamela, is pushing us along because we have a, a, a long-distance
2: phone call coming up that we can't miss. We don't want to miss Ted. We don't want to miss Ted. I wish he could have stayed because he was here in Hot Stove this week, but he had to get back to his booze blocks. Uh,
0: <laughs> of course. We're talking about Ted Gravenhorst, who's going to talk about how to maintain and uh, keep your booze butcher blocks Uh, looking fantastic throughout their lifetime, which can be your lifetime. I mean, if they're handled handled right, they can can last uh, your lifetime, like a cast iron pan. We have a a picnic feast coming up here. One of our classes, uh, Chef Annie is going to be teaching. It's all about a portable vegetarian feast. And so we thought we'd combine those thoughts with how to make some quick picnic ideas. Pam, this is up your alley. Yes, it is because you uh, live in a North Seattle area that has a neighborhood that has its own beach, which uh, <laughs> a
1: neighborhood that has its own beach. Well, like just that. like
0: we do in my neighborhood, Blue Ridge, we have our own private beach. We have like a True. park, and it's not the beach isn't private, but the access to it is right. from our area is private through a park. And you have the same thing in in North, North Beach, right?
2: Yes, which I always try to get you to go to, but you don't like sand in your food, so yeah, we've never achieved it. Can't figure that out. <laughs> uh, I do have a chapter in my book, Tom's
0: Big Dinners, that takes place on the Blue Ridge Beach. It's a crab feed. And, yeah, we couldn't eat the food. I must say that. Couldn't eat the food when we were done because it was a little bit sandy. Having,
1: having picnicked in, uh, uh, in fields and having picnic on the beach. If I have to pick one, I'll take the field any time. Because I'm yeah. with you that the beach can get really tricky. I mean, all it takes is a little wind and yeah. everything starts to be a little bit sandy and yeah. not a big fan of that. And it's hard to stay off the sand and on the beach. So uh, I like to eat my picnic. I like to eat my food in a place where I don't feel like too nervous about the surrounding.
0: Or, yeah, the dog runs by and kicks right. up or right. the volleyball comes your way and next thing you know, the whole... Picnic is on. Wham, the, is on the sand.
2: <laughs>
1: Let's talk about that. Was a, that was a really, <laughs> happy, like. you know, when to I go to, when I take my family
0: to the beach, say in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, yeah. where things are set up for the beach, right? There's a reason there's a boardwalk, right? Because you go up to the boardwalk to get your ice cream and your fries and your yeah, hot But you can't dogs. sit
1: down on the boardwalk and have a picnic. You yes, get You a- can.
0: There's benches all along the boardwalk. All absolutely. Right. Okay. So, anyway. Uh, Annie's class next week is going to feature mushroom riette uh, with grilled focaccia. How would you make a mushroom riette? So basically the idea is it's a mushroom spread, right? So yeah.
1: yeah. I would just packet it. In. I would sauté my mushroom uh, like almost like a duxelle idea mm-hmm. and I would put uh, probably some egg white in there? No. You yeah, would not. I would I would bake my my terrine.
2: Uh trust, oh, trust a me oh,
1: I would bake it. Terrine. Yeah. Yeah, I would Brilliant. bake it into a terrine.
0: I would have stayed just at the I like duck cell. That's how you said
1: no first. God. Well, I didn't know
0: you were making a terrine out of. It. I, I, I didn't. I was duck didn't a cell. to
1: tell you. Yeah. yeah, I took a duck cell and packed it in a terrine mold with a little bit of egg white, seasoning, all kind of fresh herb, and then bake how it. How would a reasonable person make a quick mushroom rillette? <laughs> a reasonable person—that's somebody who's not going to make a mushroom riette. <laughs> they're, they're just going to make. They're just going to make a mushroom. They, they're going to go. Saute the mushroom, a little goat cheese, some toasted (laughs) bread, and call it good. There you go. That's what I was looking for, Chef. Congratulations.
0: (laughs) You are a winner. Uh, Of course, uh, spring vegetable salads. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Corn fritters. That's an interesting one because you have to make sure that there's enough fat in the fritter that they stay moist all the way to the picnic. Unless you're
1: bringing an Emerald's deep fryer down to the picnic. <laughs> Moist down and the crisp. No, but I've seen and that. I've seen, I've seen people going picnicking with a small fryer. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. That's, that's, that's not me.
0: The other thing I, Annie's going to teach is fried apple pie. So that's the fried. McDonald's favorite, right? You know, all those. Well, you don't know because you don't go to McDonald's. But all those fruit pies that McDonald's serves are are fried in the deep fryer. So they're, Get
1: out of here. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. And then they're a putting new, little Another box. discovery. I should go to McDonald's once. Yeah, they have cherry Try pie. Try the whole menu, and so I would have bit... You yes. are missing out on the best things in life. I don't know if I'm missing out, but I should definitely be knowledgeable about it. Just to... You get one you of their little for... vanilla shakes or vanilla... can you just roast the pie? McRusty,
0: I think. Or what, are they, what are they called? Vanilla... they also not familiar. <laughs> and apple pie? Yeah, dude.
1: Why don't you put it in the oven? What's wrong with that? You need to get a life... Uh, yes. Okay,
2: so let's... let's. Uh, what are you putting in your picnic baths that is so much um, more appropriate?
0: <laughs>
1: I don't like your condescending tone.
2: <laughs> well, no, I
1: think first... Okay, here's my, here's my take okay. on this. Just... If you're going to have to take a pie or a tart, bake the damn thing, take it with you, so then it stays room temp the whole time, and it's fine. You take something fried. To me, if it's fried, you've got to eat it within the next five minutes. Anything... Past three four hours, it's going to be disgusting. Well, five minutes and three four hours are very different things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Okay. So to me, all right. I, so let's
0: get let's move on. Let's just make a delicious basket. Yeah, you're to me, being very negative for somebody who's been in France, listen, floating live, on a river. We live in for three Seattle. Weeks.
1: We live in Seattle. It's summertime. Guess what's available? What vegetables and fruits yes. everywhere. All right, let's make a little cherry pie. Ham. We have peas. We have. I mean, right now we have peas, we have artichoke, we have all kinds of different vegetables that are on the market that cream, eat me. You just take those, you make a beautiful salad, you know, young fresh potatoes, all that stuff. You can use all that stuff to make beautiful salad, green beans.
0: Uh, so your suggestion is if you're going to the beach, make it a thing, make it a kind of a one-pot meal. Yeah,
1: yeah. make it like a, a, big, like big, a big salad niçoise, yeah. for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. That would be my take. I would take the tuna. I would, you know, you can keep things a little bit separate and mix everything when you get there. But, you know, the vegetable and everything, and then take the dressing on the side, make a nice lemon-olive oil dressing at home, have the potatoes, the outboiled egg, the green beans, the lettuce, everything, bring, bring it with you, bring a big bowl, mix the whole thing together, and then serve it, mm-hmm. tuna on top, dressing on top, done. Done. Okay. And you'd have something really nice and fresh, and you could even do fresh seared tuna, some nice albacore that's in season too. You know, just sear that at home and then mm-hmm. bring it with you, pre-slice and then fan it on top of your salad.
0: Well, a lot of beach, uh, a lot of beaches have grills True. available. True. Like even down at Golden Gardens, right. uh, uh, over at Woodland Park, my our beach at Blue Ridge has a grill available, so it is. Possible to bring all that prep and then just finish off like yeah, if you're making absolutely. a big steak salad, yeah, although steak salad is pretty good cold too, like uh, yeah. the, the steak bean, but anything that you're the tuna or whatever uh, it's possible do. to bring your whole salad and then just finish with a topping of right. protein if you want some cook Portabella some nice mushrooms. you could
1: you could grill some nice dog breast in the park. And make, make sure all your neighbors are going to show up and go, what smells so good?
0: Yeah, you'll have a nice big fire in the park is what you'll have. Because <laughs> there's nowhere for that duck fat to go.
2: That would smell so good outside, too. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Last night, speaking of duck breasts, you know, I, I love, people always ask, what do you do on your day off? And I, for me, my favorite day off is when I have a nice five-pound duck, put it on the rotisserie, put a pan of potatoes underneath, and just let it go low oh God, and slow. Yes. And I sit there and I sip I sip my whiskey and I, my red wine, and I just watch the duck turn. It's like the days of our duck. Uh, days
2: of our duck. We're making that into a movie.
0: Yes. Uh, anyway, so that's my idea of a good day off. And, but the other thing a duck does on your charcoal grill is it gives you two cups of duck fat. Yeah. And when it's done on the grill, rendered on a grill like that, it's smoky duck fat. So last night I, at a class I was teaching here at Hot Stove, I took that duck fat and I floated it on top of a hot a uh, 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 crab crema Ooh. with smoked duck fat. Ooh! Uh, my my little crab chowder was so
1: delicious. I'm just saying,
0: yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, that's when you use those. Goodies. That's what you do at the beach: is you take the ducks that are flying by.
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, a roast duck. You can actually, if you if you really taken by time, you stop in Chinatown, get a roast duck, have it cut into pieces, uh, buy some nice. Uh, some You could buy rice. You could buy anything you want with that, and then take it to the beach. And,
0: yeah, you great. know, You don't have to make the, everything in life. The problem with most Chinatown barbecue stands, like King's Barbecue House and places like that, is that they don't have vegetables to right, eat. It. Right, right. They, they don't have what you
1: actually want to eat. They with might it. have
0: rice, but they don't generally have vegetables. If you right. go to Kau Kau, say, which is across the street or around the corner from King's, is you can order a side of pea vines or a side of gai right, right. or something like that to go with your roast duck. All right, how to take care of these gorgeous cutting boards. Here, we're sponsored by Booz Butcher Blocks, B-O-O-S. And uh, Ted Gavinhorst is going to be here to talk about how to take care of them to make them last a lifetime, because they're certainly built tough. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo. We're here at the Hotel Andra, downtown Seattle. And if you ever come here for a class, Chef, uh, one of the first things you see in our kitchens here, and one of the first things people get wide-eyed about is the amount of butcher block that we have. Uh, All of our work tables are butcher block. All of our uh, demo tables, our show tables are butcher block. They've been here 10 years, and they look brand new. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Uh, We scrub them down every night with bleach water. We we cut on them. We have... Crazy people go that have been drinking
1: wine cut on them. (laughs) We have all sorts of... So in other words, you don't treat them nicely.
0: Well, they get used. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nobody's mean to them, but uh, we don't take cleavers to them, but uh, we use them every day, oftentimes two or three times a day. Pamela, tell us why Ted was here uh, earlier this week. Just stop. He was
2: um, ca- calling on some customers and huh? checking on the marketplace and checking on the health of our boards.
0: Nice. And so you've asked Ted to be us, uh, join us on phone. Hi, Ted. Hello. Good morning, Ted. This is Ted. Hey, good uh, morning, Gravenhurst from uh, Horst from uh, Booze Boards. So Booze is not B O O Z E. It's B O O
1: S. Booze Boards. It's probably the most famous brand I think in America. Absolutely. I make mean, the only one I know so.
0: Ted, tell us about these incredible boards and uh, how you guys make them and, and why, in my mind, I think of them just like I think of a cast iron pan. Is that they kind of reflect your life in the kitchen?
3: It all goes back. Of course, the company was founded in 1887 and we started making butcher blocks and cutting boards at the turn of the century. And um, of course, back then it was local lumber harvested right here in, uh, in Illinois. But since then, of course, the way we've expanded and our, our hard rock maple, which is our primary wood species. Is um, it comes out of Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and areas like that, and you know, and 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 there's some other northern states that we incorporate, and uh, specifically the northern Hard Rock Maple. But um, so we, we we of course began to supply butchers across the country at the turn of the, of the last century, not this this most common century, and uh, and uh, we've always always had to strive to perfection to uh, manufacture a cutting board. For the commercial market, and that's where we started, is in the commercial market. And, and and I, there's been a lot of advances in technology over the years, of course, with glues, equipment, so forth and so on. But it really starts in the forest, uh, and manage and, and and buying 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 the lumber that is got the right color, got the right hardness. Of course, that's hard rock, Hard Rock Maple, and uh, so we 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 buy from uh, our, our suppliers. Who are sustainable? They harvest, they go in, they cut down the trees, uh, the big ones, and then leave the small ones so they can get more sunlight and they can uh, actually grow up to be the big ones. And uh, we bring that in here to Effingham, Illinois. Uh, we we grade it, we stack it, and let it air dry because uh, it's got to it's got to be it's got to be dried properly so it one doesn't want to twist later when it becomes, it becomes part of the product mm-hmm. and then it goes into the dry kilns for 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 amount of time sometimes between 10 and two weeks and again you're drying the lumber at, at, at the rate that it, it needs to be dried to get to the moisture for processing that and and we, we got that down we've been we've, we've been drying our own lumber for uh six six decades now so um and then it gets into the manufacturing when it's when it's ready to be manufactured, it's just a matter of making sure that um, you don't cut any corners in terms of uh, precision and having having the right equipment, state uh, of the art equipment, uh, and processing. And, and if, if something's not being processed correctly, uh, of course it gets it gets it gets rejected, it, 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 and you either do a rework or, or it gets scrapped. And and when we scrap all of our uh, uh, real short pieces or, 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 or the sawdust left from cutting is all going into our silo uh, through our blower systems, and, that, and that's what we use. We use that as fuel. We use that as fuel for uh, our dry kilns because uh, you know the dry kilns take a lot of energy, sure. and I think that's a key: is being able to dry your own your own lumber, and uh, and then it goes through the processing. And of course, you know, with, without employees that take pride in what they do. At uh, each and every station, uh, we really, we really, I mean, that that that, that is so critical. Uh, we we found that out through uh, the recent, uh, as a result of COVID, uh, you know, people even as much automation as we have, you, you still have to have you have to have that that person that looks at the product and says that's 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 a board I would buy, and if they don't say that, it, it, it doesn't go onto it doesn't go to the next station or, or even put it into a box. And so, um, all me, the cutting s- boards are uh, oil finish.
0: I was going to say, and, let me, I was um, going to ask you that question because so many people buy these boards uh, and and butcher block kind of islands or counters that are varnished. And then as soon as you put a couple knife marks in it, it's wrecked. And the oil finish, you can fix but, in
3: a heartbeat. That is correct. And and now, the, all the cutting boards uh, are oil finish. Uh, we have a color our booth mystery oil. It's 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 really a little bit of, it's oil and a little bit of beeswax mixed in with it. The varnish does go is is applied to countertops. Um, I would say that 90 um, percent, maybe 95 percent of the countertops that we produce um, actually are with an oil finish. There are people that will order it with a varnish, but they 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 better not plan on cutting on it. Uh, that's uh, that's a no no on, on the oil countertops. You can actually cut on it, but what what people really find out is it's better to just go ahead and put a nice, large, a larger cutting board on that counter because they they want that counter looking nice, and then they got a cutting board they can cut on. We, we make some very large cutting boards. Yes, you do. They're, they're right.
0: lovely too. They're yeah, but they're heavy. But I, I personally, yeah. I like the patina that you develop. Uh, like I said, on a yeah, cast I, iron I think, pan. I or, think
1: me too. I think the what's cool about having wood in the kitchen is. There's a patina that develops where you can see the presence of somebody in the kitchen that's mm-hmm. been here for many, many years. And if you look at very old butcher block, you can see somebody's lifetime in the kitchen. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's very, very Super cool. Sweet.
0: So when somebody like myself, who has a huge—I mean, it's huge—it's nine by twelve, nine feet by twelve feet wide. It's in the shape of a baseball diamond uh, in my kitchen. Um, it was. Oh wow! I kind of designed it uh, to be able to do cooking classes out of my home which i never ended up doing but i love this this uh, this table but you know it was joined at i want to say four seams uh and now i want to refinish it because spend 25 years that i've had it it's been western exposure sun i re-oil it i kind of i take salt and rub it in and rub out all the stuff uh a- annually and then i put some of your mystery oil on it uh now if i want to take it down a little bit to get rid of some burn marks, some stains, some this and that. Mm -hmm. What's my process? Oh, I only have two minutes.
3: Okay. You're going to have to uh, detach them, and you're going to have to find a local cabinet maker that has Uh a, a, a drum sander. And you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sand them down, mm-hmm. uh, and then have them reinstalled, and then uh, go ahead and recoat it with a uh, uh, oil, and you're, you should be good to go.
0: Yeah, that's not gonna happen.
3: <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna use my palm yeah, sander. I know happen. it's hard
0: rock maple because it's, pop, it's hard to pop, sand.
3: Palm sander can, uh, will work. A palm sander will work. It's, uh, but it will, it, and that's what it will be it is a lot of work. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. And a lot of strength
3: because that that wood
1: Those is not easy heavy. to
3: give. Yeah.
0: Now you see sometimes out there you see uh, obviously the hard rock maple, but I'm starting to see some walnut butcher block and some uh, mm-hmm. gumwood butcher block. Uh, is there a, a huge difference in all of these?
3: Well, uh, the hard the hard maple, of course, uh, is, is, is denser, harder than the walnut. So The walnut is is also hardwood. Uh hardwood. It, it is it has a it has a totally different look than the maple. Um, actually, you'll find you'll find the maple and the walnut. Wood, have have some contrast in the kitchen. And I think really that's that's what they I mean, it, it, it depends on the decor uh, of, of what you might see in terms of countertops. So they want walnut or maple or even American cherry. Uh, and a lot of times you'll see countertops, uh, hardwood countertops being blended in with uh, a solid surface, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be marble, corian, or something of that nature. But as far as boards go, or, go, I mean, the maple board is is the only, uh, one I believe that's out there today that's NSF uh, and still rated for the commercial market. And uh, you won't get that with the walnut or the cherry or other hardwoods.
0: And I left myself so little time to ask this question, but is there a way to properly uh, sanitize your hardwood over plastic cutting boards?
3: Yes. Um, well, first of all, uh, just, just recognize that the, the, the hard maple itself and, and the walnut that we, we that we manufacture actually kill bacteria. Okay, the University of uh, Illinois, University of Wisconsin, and the University of Florida have all conducted studies over the years uh, that would absorb the bacteria and has special enzymes and dehydrates it and it dies off. And if you actually add oil to it, it accelerates the uh, the, the kill rate uh, of the bacteria. Mm-hmm. But you know, okay. at the end of the day, there's there's a time there's a time window for it to actually be effective. So we always recommend uh, a, a towel, or a damp towel with a little bit of soap and water, uh, to run over uh, over the board or use soap and water, excuse me. And then, and then if the board's not so heavy, uh, actually take it over to the sink and, and just rinse it off and then dry it. Good. That's, what I, That's what I
1: normally do. I take my sponge and. And that's what I do. Yeah, but these big boards, they're... they're Oh, no, I know, I know. They're hard to carry around. Our
0: guest has been uh, Ted Gravenhorst. Uh, He is uh, all things booze, B-O-O-S, cutting boards, (sighs) and one of the sponsors here at the Hot Stove Society. Ted, thanks
3: for your time. (laughs) Thank you so much. Very, very interesting. Thank you, everybody, and uh, it's been a pleasure.
0: All right. Uh, Up next, it's time for Terry to talk about his recent uh, float through the center of France. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society show, 97.3 FM. And we're back. It's the Hot Stove Society show on Cairo. And uh, if you're hearing the familiar uh, sounds of Chef Thierry Roteurot, he has been me. gone for three weeks, uh, rowing down the Rhone
1: River. Rowing, uh, not quite, but it not was quite. rowing by itself, for sure.
0: Tell us about your trip. Tell us about... Uh, the path you took, and then when we come back on the next segment, maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the food that you cook. Absolutely. And maybe some simple recipes. People could, well, simple recipes so, and you don't quite go together. So,
1: <laughs> Seattle, Paris, Paris, Nantes. Nantes to my hometown, to mm-hmm. my mom. And uh, spent a few days there, Get jet, over jet lag, and flew from Nantes, after a few days, from Nantes to Lyon, which in, if you've never been to France, if you've never been to Lyon, Lyon is a mask for any gourmand or gourmet, because it is a capital of, they call it the capital of food for um, Europe, but it's definitely a place where there is no lack of bistros and bouchons and, you know, places where you can eat all day long. Uh, They love their food. Lyon is a gorgeous city to visit, uh, spend a couple of days in there, and then from there we got on a ship, uh, the SS Catherine from Uniworld. And, uh, from Lyon. From Lyon. Mm-hmm. We went from Lyon up the Saône to Macon. From Macon, we took a bus to Bonn, capital of Burgundy. Did you have some Macon village? We had some, actually, Macon for lunch. And we had some wonderful, we had a wonderful lunch at Ma cuisine, which is a small bistro in uh, Bonn. And Bonn is a gorgeous little city to visit. It's the capital of Burgundy. Gorgeous hospice de Bonn is a gorgeous uh, building to visit. Great history. used to be hospital, hospice, and uh, also did a wine testing at, at Domaine Drouin, which is always a nice treat because you go underneath the city. Their cellar is underneath the city, so mm-hmm. it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, definitely a great That's visit. the same
0: Drouin family that owns the Drouin winery in Oregon, Correct. too, right? Yeah, yeah, Veronique,
1: the daughter, Veronique. is the one who was in charge
2: of the Pamela's husband? Is in love with Veronique. So is Pamela. So is Pamela. <laughs> so, is, so is a lot of people. Was she there?
1: Uh, no. I mean, she, has, she might have been there. She but just she, didn't come and say hi. No.
0: Um, she must not have known who you were, Chef. Sorry.
1: It's okay. I told her I was a friend of yours, and that didn't quite go very far. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't show up, obviously. No. Um, and then we went back onto the ship from Macon back down to Lyon. We did a we did a, a, a lunch at a place called La Mer Brasier, which is where Bocuse, Lerne, Verger, all those big chefs, classic of France, all trained with La Mer Brasier. There was a time in Lyon where mothers were in charge of the best bistros in France, or in Lyon at least. So that's where a lot of those guys took their chops, you know, and it mm-hmm. started.
0: Um, it's like a lot of chefs uh, went to Chez Panisse with Alice Water. Correct, and correct. Even though they were the chefs, she was still the restaurant owner, kind of director. Correct,
1: now. yeah. And it was a, you know, you're going through a philosophy. And um, the lunch was scrumptious, very old building. I mean, things that you see, the room we had was upstairs, was a private room. We, you go up this staircase and you're like, this would never fly in America. <laughs> and the staircase is like 120 years old. It's totally discombobulated, it's not wide enough, whatever. You always think, oh my God, if there was a fire here, I don't know where we would go. But anyway, gorgeous lunch. And um, from Lyon, we went down to the Rhone River. That was the whole trip, Lyon to Arles. So we went through the Rhone Valley. Uh, first stop was in Tournon, also known as, on one side of the river is Tournon, on the other side is uh, Tain l'Hermitage, which is where Jaboulet uh, and, uh, you know, the big winemakers are. So winery testing. This is also where close by is uh, Valona, the museum of chocolate. So there you go visit valona's uh, factory. Or, it's not actually their factory; it's a museum. Beautiful little trip, and then all the way down to uh, Avignon, which is obviously a beautiful city to visit. Gorgeous walled city. Yeah, gorgeous walled city. Some people went, and, and uh, like Kathy went, and uh, canoed under the Pont du Gard, which is a triple-layer aqueduct that's 2,000 years old, beautiful trip. Uh, then we finish in Arles, and uh, actually we finished in Avignon. But we want to spell all? Arles. Okay. So Arles is the beginning of Camargue, the the region of southern France that has uh, its flat land, marsh, marsh, and um, you know, all the way from Arles to... Some San- kind of the floodplains of the Rhône? <clears throat> it's a flood. It's not flood. It's more dry. Like, this is where you see wild horses. Uh-huh. In France, you see a lot of salt marsh. You see a lot of... Um, it's flatland, so it's beautiful. I
0: understand, but what I mean by a floodplain is like when a river overflows, the water has to go somewhere.
1: Well, that's and, where it goes. It goes yeah, to the goes delta. The, 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 yeah, yeah, the delta, yeah. And uh, that's the only place in France where we raise rice. But anyway, it's a beautiful part of the world. Arles, is gorgeous. It's a very old, it's almost like a Roman city. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got the beautiful arenas, very old arenas in the center of town. Walking around is beautiful and pittoresque. It's magnificent. And of course, throughout all this, we did stop for lunches in some fabulous places for uh, lunch. Like in Laborde, Provence, we stopped in a place called L'Opio. The setting was just magical, you know. Mm-hmm. It's 30 degrees out. You're under the umbrellas you having lunch in this beautiful place, mm-hmm. beautiful wine. We went to Sophie Peak, and Sophie Peak, which was a three-star restaurant in Valence. Uh, gorgeous ground, long lunch, everything in Magnums. I was sure. like, like, Conte in Magnum, uh, you know, everything in Magnum. Cote rot in Magnum. I'm like, oh, sure. Why not? And uh, Buscat Bombe de Venise in Magnum also. I was like, Oof. That's a lot of sweet wine right there. That is. It is. But there was 18 of us, so. Okay. But anyway, um, gorgeous, gorgeous uh, places to go through. Very fun. The people, I think, so, really, really appreciate it. Tell people
0: what it's like, because uh, I think people always say to me, you know, that it's very romantic to get on these river cruises. Like they're like they're more like a barge, right? Or are they actually? Well, no, a no, ship? this
1: is 140 people, so okay, it's not so, a barge. So it's right. a lo- so it's, it's, the it's a boat ship. on
0: their own. Okay. So tell people what it's like. You wake up in the morning and you have a little. Uh, you wake up in like, the morning. You, ha- you
1: have breakfast in the main dining room on the boat. On the boat, okay. This is usually every morning. It was like that. And you're, you're moving all this time. You are either moving or you are already docked into okay. the next city. Mm-hmm. Uh, traveling is usually during the night or starts like you no know, somewhere around three p.m. or four p.m. Mm-hmm. So we've, and you also go through some locks. So that's pretty, that's fun. It's pretty cool. You go, I mean, it's pretty impressive in some places you go down 50 feet. That's scary as heck. You're mm-hmm. in, you're, you're in, in on the boat, you know, on the deck and you see this thing going down slowly but surely, but you're going down like you're surrounded by concrete. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is, is it romantic? I think it's very, it's got definitely romantic moments because there's a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going through Avignon with your lovely uh, partner or wife or husband or you know, and you're going through Avignon by yourself having a nice little lunch. That is quite romantic. So,
0: when you wake up in the morning, are you, and if you're docked, can you get off the, the, yeah, get yeah, off yeah, the yeah. ship and go so there
1: is, wander on your own in there, Avignon? Yes, you can. There are activities that you can go to, or there are free time that you can go to. So, it's not like, you know, everybody gets on the bus and we go this way. If you're going somewhere on the bus, that's because you decided you want to go. But okay. otherwise, you can have your free so time. some pre
0: planned tours and.
1: There is, there are some pre-planned tour, and there is also. So it's like a regular cruise, but on a river. It's not quite like a cruise. A cruise cruise a lot longer than we do. You know when you're on the the river.
0: Time on the time moving on the boat. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, there's only a few hours, and you move on on this ship, and it's you know it's not that long of a distance between Lyon and Arles. Mm -hmm. You're covering that in a week, which you could almost walk it. (laughs) No, not walk it, but you know it's it's definitely not that long of a distance. So you know you're definitely not spending your whole time cruising, right? So that's the difference.
0: Now, my understanding—we're going to find out more about this when we come back in our second hour. But my understanding is you actually cooked a couple of meals uh, for uh, I, your
1: small group. No, no, no. I didn't cook for my small group. I group, I cooked for with my mother, and I cooked with uh, another friends, another group oh, just of friends. friends. But you yeah, weren't
0: yeah. responsible for any no no meals.
1: No. no, they had they had the whole crew on the ship and everything. No, I was okay. not in. Charger so did that. you give
0: any market tours? What, yes. what was your job?
1: My job is I did market tour in the Bocuse Market in Lyon twice. Okay. Uh, Saturday morning, the, before we left, I did a tour of the actual market on the Saun River, which was one mile long. Beautiful market.
0: All right. Let's talk about that when we come back on Cairo. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Yes. Yeah. It's time to continue our conversation with Chef Terry, the chef in the chapeau, uh, about his uh, recent travels through the heart of France. I think of Lyon as being kind of the center of France.
1: Is it, really? No, it's more like the we- the east of of France. East, east of France. Because it's anyway. the Rhone Valley and it goes all the way down to the south. It's a, It's yeah. like, it's not quite the center. It's more like... A bit to the east.
0: We have a bunch more coming up in this second hour. Uh, Sports bra owner Jenny Nayan is is going to be on the phone from Portland, Oregon. And we're going to talk about her new sports bar for Pride Weekend. Uh, We've got uh, a New York Times article we're going to discuss about terrific bowls. Mayo bowls and picnic Uh, bowls.
2: Fast and and easy dinners. Fast and
0: easy and... All that sort of thing. Of course, we have our Food for Thought Tasty Trivia. That's always a fun thing. But let's jump right back into Chef Terry. Okay, we heard about your 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 trip and what you're responsible for is to give some some tours.
1: Wonderful tours uh, of to, the market. I mean, touring, yeah. touring the market in France is so fun. Right. Like going through the, through the Bocuse market, you know, I stopped at one uh, place that does nothing but charcuterie items. And I tell them, can you make me a platter for 20, because it was 20 people. Mm -hmm. Make me a platter for 20 people. I'll be back in, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. And then, you know, they come back, and we come back 20 minutes later, and they get this gorgeous platter ready. Everybody can pick and try the charcuterie, Mm -hmm. little piece of baguette. It's really nice to tour the market like that. And then I go to the oyster guy and say, can you line us up? He's like, yeah, you want something to drink too? I'm like, of course. Nice little glass of macon. And an oyster per person mm-hmm. lined up on the counter so everybody eats that. And then I go see the macaron lady and, you know, just have a macaron per person. A foie gras macaron, by the way. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, yeah. foie gras macaron in the morning. That was pretty cool. And uh, things like this. So it's really fun. And then we see all the different – you see all the different shops, the different um, – Seafood
0: shops, meat shops. Se- yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. Everything. Does it make you crazy when you – do these market tours and you can't really oh my buy God. anything to it's cook? So, you know what I do? I always buy charcuterie and cheeses and I bring them on the boat Yeah. and I share it with everybody throughout the week because uh-huh. I can't... I mean, you go to a cheese shop in France and they're everywhere. I mean, in Lyon, it's like, I know. They're everywhere. And they have a hundred freaking cheeses in front of you. You don't even know what to pick because there's so many of them you want to eat.
0: And a hundred of them uh, out of the 110 are local.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, they're like... Oh, we went to a shop in Bone. I was with Larry Stone, mm-hmm. you know Larry Stone, near a sommelier. I mean, the, yeah, sommelier and winemaker mm-hmm. from Lingua Franca in Oregon. And we were in in Bone, and we went to S, the the cheese shop in the, right in the downtown of Bone. I mean, it was insane. The store is probably, I would say, as long as the cooking school here, and it's nothing but cheeses and like esoteric cheeses, like the farmers from 15 miles away, like you said. You know, he makes this goat cheese wrapped in whatever. Mm-hmm. In, right, one was wrapped in old f- uh, flower petals, you know, things like this. And old pansies, and uh, not pansies, um, calendula, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it actually impregnates the, uh, the cheese and gives it a flavor. I mean, there was all kind of crazy. I mean, it's really a lot of fun to go through the market. And the one that's in Lyon every Saturday morning along the Seine is a mile long And you go through all these different artisans. First thing about my wife, a giant bouquet of peonies for 10 Mm bucks. I mean, here, a stem is 10 bucks. Over there is the giant. That's not necessarily true. There's a peony
0: farm on the way to the farm. We buy buckets and buckets of peonies.
1: Right. When you buy from the farm, yes. Then that's my point. The point is, the farmer is here Mm -hmm. selling their peonies, big giant bouquet for 10 bucks. I mean, it's really beautiful. Of course, can't help it but buy some hummus and some olives from the, from the guy who's selling his olive and, uh, you know, stuff. And then you sit on the border of the river and have a nice glass of wine, a macon, or again, a glass mm-hmm. of macon, Sit there on the river having your fresh goods that you just bought from the, from the farmer's market. It's super, super cool. Mm-hmm. It would be like here at Pike Place and go in the top, the, the place in the back and then sit in the sun and eat your well, food. Well, I just gave
0: a tour to a group at Pike Place yesterday, Pamela and I did, and the nooks and crannies at Pike Place, especially yeah. on a sunny day, uh, it is just a fun day to explore cool. down there. Yeah, people, people just forget. Yeah, we uh, take about, it for granted for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, let's talk about you had a chance to get off the boat a couple of times. You saw your mom, yeah. and, and then, then you showed me a picture of this fish you were cooking at uh, so,
1: was that a friend's house? Yeah, so we went from my mom's house to some friends in Chartres, And uh, in short, there is two things to see. There is obviously a fabulous, beautiful cathedral that is absolutely magnificent outside and inside. And there is a place called Picassiette, which is this man who did, um, what do you call little pieces of glass that you stick onto the wall?
4: Mosaic. Uh, Mosaic, mosaic.
1: thank you. So the whole place, his whole demeure is made out of mosaic everywhere. Unbelievable amount of work. I mean... A lifetime commitment, probably 25 years of sticking stuff on the wall and making all this (laughs) design of mosaic. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Picassiette, you need to visit that when you go to Mm shop. Aside from that, we had friends who had a mansion.
0: Once again, I'll just say, not to interrupt you, but in the Pike Place Market, the woman who did all the tile work, similar in nature, unbelievable tile work down there.
1: 4,000 pieces she made in her her living
0: Oven, ovens, yeah. yeah. So anyway, go
1: back to it. And uh, uh, we had some friends there, and they had a gorgeous setting of a, this big domain kind of property that they have through their family. So they have many um, people from the family living on it, different houses. So it's a few acres of land, you know, that, and it's beautiful. The mens- the house that they have is 1896, you know, three floors, old staircase to go up and all that stuff. Absolutely good. And the kitchen was really cool. Old kitchen, long, you know, I was thinking Julia would be in heaven in this kitchen. She'd mm-hmm. be like, this is just like my kitchen. <laughs> but anyway, um, one day we went to the market and buy four beautiful bar, which is like a sea bass, and uh, stuffed them with all the herbs from the garden. Olive yeah, I saw oil,
0: fennel in your picture,
1: lemon. Fennel, lemon. Um, I did um, thyme. There was all kind of herbs. Like, they're screaming. They're in the garden, right outside the kitchen. Napped everything, put that in the fish tie them up with string, uh, slice the fish, and then tie them up, and then grill that on wood fire outside, half-barrel kind of wood mm-hmm. fire on ashes. No flame, just ashes. Oh, my God. And it cooked in like, it took about five minutes on each side to cook the fish because the fish were they were not that, you know, that big. They were a large trout. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it cooked really fast. And non-stick, you know, you, you just don't touch it. You don't turn it until it comes off, you know. Mm-hmm. Let it come off the grill by itself. People, that's a good lesson to learn.
0: If you're cooking whole fish at home, there's a lot of fat in a fish skin, and you just got to let it set on your grill. Don't mess with it until yeah. that fish, until that fat starts to render yeah. out of the skin, and that's what oils the grill in order to get it off. Exactly. But it's also key that you don't put it on too hot a fire.
1: Right, right. And uh, that f- and then grill the asparagus with that and... Uh, Oh, beautiful salad from the garden, fresh salad. It was just absolutely magnificent. magnificent Rosé mm-hmm. from Anjou, right down the street. Right down the street. And then um, we had rosé and we had sancerre. Two, mm-hmm. two, rosé and a white. It Boy, was, this, and the then,
0: sancerre traveled a bit, huh?
1: Well, no, from, from shorts Oh, no,
0: that's right, because we're not on the t- cruise anymore. Right, no we're on yeah. shorts, so yeah. it's not that yeah.
1: far. And then uh, for dessert, a beautiful lemon tart with fresh strawberry from the garden. Mm-hmm. Oh. That kind of, me- just the whole setting, you're sitting outside, you're in this garden kind of thing. It's kind of like a Martha Stewart meets Julia Child and uh, the Traveling Channel. Hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable, picture perfect. So I encourage anybody to go on vacation. If you go to France, there is plenty, plenty of places to visit.
0: If, you, uh, if people want to sign up for your uh, trip next year. are doing uh, a one, another one next
1: spring. I'm doing uh, not a cruise, but I'm doing definitely the, uh, trips. Yes. Where do uh, they go? Right now in September, I'm going to Morocco, and then next year I'm going to go to Portugal. Um, I'm going to do a special trip to South Africa, and I'm going to do a trip to Ireland in the spring.
0: And so, where do people sign up?
1: Uh, just go to Thierry at thechefinahat.com and email me, and I'll give you the information. Okay.
0: So much more to talk about. Uh, we are going to jump right now into uh, Jenny Nyan. Uh, she is the owner of Sports Bra down in Portland and talking about uh, uh, a unique take on a sports tavern. On Cairo Radio, Tom Douglas, Terry Rotero, The Chef in the Chapeau, uh, uh, 97.3 FM. Welcome back. It's the Hot Stove Society show on Cairo. We are in the kitchen here at the Hot Stove, our studio here. If you ever want to come join us, uh, we have a couple of guests that have already enjoyed a Dahlia Bakery breakfast sandwich this morning, hot coffee. Got to see our show live. They're still smiling. They're still smiling. That's good. <laughs> We're going to move right into uh, a trip down south for us, not too far, maybe three-hour drive in the Portland, Oregon, and invite on to our show Jenny Wynn. Uh, she is the owner of a bar... Uh, called Sports Bra, B-R-A, a a little play on words there. But it's, uh,
2: Pamela, what interested
0: you so much in Jenny's Bar?
2: Uh, Well, if I had my way, I'd be there for Pride. Uh, Would you? (laughs) (laughs) Because I want to see what she's cooking up and how you're going to celebrate on Sunday.
4: Oh, you know what? Pride weekend was this last weekend here in Portland. Oh, you guys in Portland? Yeah, we threw a huge block party at the Bra, and it was spectacular. (laughs)
2: <laughs> what made it spectacular?
4: Oh, man, we took over the a parking lot that's next door to us, and we had a couple food trucks. We had women DJs spinning records all day and all night. Um, we served up specialty cocktails with a couple local vendors, and then some women-owned um, women and operated breweries and wineries also dished out some great drinks, and we just danced the night away. It was awesome.
1: How
2: fun. How, How fun was that? Fun. Dancing yeah. the night away, I'm already in. So I love the combination of your food background with sports, because uh, so many times when you go to a sports bar, you're not going to get something delicious. So how is it that you are combining the two so elegantly?
4: Oh, man. So, you know, all of my professional experience has been in kitchens. I've My only career has ever been cooking, and as a chef. So when I decided to open up the sports bra, it was kind of a no-brainer that the food was going to be delicious. And I didn't want to reinvent the wheel, you know. So everything, if you look at the menu, it's very, it feels like a very common or typical pub or sports bar menu. But knowing that everything's made from scratch, um, using really great ingredients, and uh, being able to accommodate dietary restrictions, all of those things that kind of are lacking in most sports bar menus, we kind of nailed on the head, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, that's that's kind of you know. And one of the things that we try to, part of our mission, is representation, um, not only women on and off the field, but also um, you know making sure that people feel welcome there, and that includes vegan, vegetarian, gluten free, and other dietary restrictions,
1: well, so that they don't a, feel
4: like a sports bar.
1: You know? a, a sports bar with vegan and vegetarian friendly—that's a new thing. Uh huh.
4: Yep. Yep. I mean, Good we have you. everything. We have food for every everybody, so if you want like a burger with cheese, American cheese on it, and nachos with like ground beef on it, we have that too. You know what I mean right so um we're trying to be inclusive of more people, not less people
0: so let's go back to the beginning a little bit and how you got started down this road uh your partner mm-hmm. or girlfriend or uh friend i don't know it's not clear to me but uh knew that your life dream was to have a bar that showed women's sports and actually have clean restrooms I love that I have six <laughs> sisters I know all about that
4: sure sure it actually was kind of a running joke between my girlfriend and I um, after you know so so many experiences that I think is extremely common with um, women who go to sports bars to watch sports whether it's men's sports or women's sports just the feeling of being um, represented in that sphere or like feeling comfortable or even safe in those environments. So um, I think that that's a very common experience. And like, so when I kind of thought of having a women's sports bar, it started out as a joke. It was just like this fantasy place. And, you know, immediately I came up with the name of sports bra because it just makes a lot of sense. And it's really mm-hmm. funny. And we just referred to it whenever we were frustrated with whatever experiences we were having at sports bars, whether it was, you know, filthy bathrooms, we would say things like, oh, at the sports bra, the bathrooms would always be clean. Or at the sports bra, you know, there'd be hooks to hang your jacket on so you didn't have to have it, like, touch the nasty floor or something. Um, and then, you know, and then it went on and on with menus and drinks and, of course, sports on TV. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was a running joke that was never meant to, to be a reality until very recently.
0: Well, congratulations yeah, on congratulations. that. gets to uh, f- <laughs> fulfill their, their fantasies that way. Sure.
4: Thank you very much. Appreciate what, it.
0: What's your favorite? Somebody's coming down there from Seattle. What's your favorite thing on the menu?
4: Oh, that's tough. You know, it was one of the first things I did was write the menu and I basically wrote it off of everything that I love to eat. So, um, I mean, I, everything is delicious and I'll order everything off the menu all the time. And I'll just remember that. Oh yeah, this is why I put it on the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say some of the signature items is like, uh, one of the dishes is my mom's baby back ribs. I basically took her, a, a traditional Vietnamese dish and just translated it to um, baby back ribs. And it is finger-licking good. So what, um, makes,
1: what makes it Vietnamese? How do you treat it? Well, it's
4: got tons of fish sauce in it, so that's one. <laughs> um, and it, and it, and it, that's usually <laughs> how it starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's reduced with coconut milk and just made into like a thick glaze and mm. then braised for a couple hours in the oven. So it's, nice. yeah, it's just uh, really delicious and kind of homey. It, for me, it's very homey because it reminds me of my you know growing up. True, mm-hmm. sure.
1: that's what a sports bar should be. It should be homey. Well,
4: yeah, I mean, exactly. friends, yeah it should friend, feel comfortable. Yeah, hey, your
1: friends gather, you're watching the game together, right,
4: right. and
0: you're just having a good old time. Yeah, you want it, you don't, exactly. You're not trying to be challenged.
1: And I'm definitely with you on the fact that the food should be better. <laughs> in, most, <laughs> in most most sports bar, the food is not that great. You are the biggest food snob I've ever met. I'm not a snob. I think it, it's not that hard to make it better. She can tell you it's not. Sure. You know, it just, yeah. You I just mean, we
4: it. Yeah. We have a really great cheeseburger and the key is, you know, really great beef. And our beef is 100% grass fed beef. Here we go. From a woman. Yeah. A female rancher in Eastern Oregon who's a third generation rancher. And so that's another aspect of our menu. And our mission is to support local women. In industry, too, like food and beverage industry.
1: What's the name uh, of the Carmen ranch? ranch? Carmen Ranch. Yeah, I know the girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super good. Mm-hmm. They do a great job.
0: I was they just do an on,
4: excellent
0: job. I was just on a ranch in eastern Oregon playing golf called Sylvie's Ranch, and they have
2: 7,000 head of goat, and we had goat every meal, breakfast, lunch, <laughs> and dinner. <laughs> that's
4: awesome. Wow.
2: <laughs> What's the vegan dish that's most popular?
4: The most popular vegan dish is we have a tempeh Rubens. Uh, where we sear the tempeh hard, hard in a pan with a little bit of rag. And then we layer it with sauerkraut and vegan thousand Island on a really nice, like light caraway rye. Um, and then have a little bit of a uh, smoked Gouda vegan cheese. Wow. And uh, wow. it's actually based. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, really good, but it's based on a dish that uh, it was the first dish my girlfriend ever made for me when we first started dating. So it's a really, it's close to my heart and we still eat it at home. Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not vegan or vegetarian, but I love that sandwich. And it's just delicious whether or not you're vegan.
0: All right. It's up to you now. You've heard all about how great sports bra is down in uh, Portland. Jenny Wynn has been a guest. And, Jenny, everyone that tells me about it is telling me that there's a line out the door. So uh, mm-hmm. make Congratulations. your plans. Congratulations. Make your plans in Thank advance. You. Get there early uh, for the game and uh, go check it out. It uh, sounds fabulous. Can't wait to go.
2: Can't wait to see you, you
4: Jenny.
0: All right. Bye-bye. Yeah,
4: come visit whenever. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, let's jump into the New York Times food section when we come back. Uh, We'll be right here on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. Here we go. We're back in the kitchen here with the temperatures heating up outside. It's time to uh, quicken up the pace in our kitchens when we're trying to cook at home uh, so that we're not suffering through kitchen heat and outdoor heat. Try not to turn the oven on. You know, it is going to be 88 degrees in Seattle. This is when we melt. There's a melting point, I believe, that's right about 75 and a half degrees.
1: I'm ready for it. It's okay. Bring it on. I want to melt.
0: What's your melting point?
2: uh 90. Yeah. 90? yeah. <laughs> I, think I think 90. Mostly like, well, I think Seattle most like Seattle
0: lights mostly is, over 75 they start to get a little twitchy. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: well, I will definitely take 90 after the uh, last 6 months. How much how much 90 do you want? Do You want it all the way through <laughs> July? I can take July? 90 for probably or 5 days, you know, and then 85, yeah. you know, run between 80 and 90 is totally fine. You have, do you have air me. conditioning in your house? No, but I don't either. It's summer. I understand. Yeah. Hey,
0: I'm not saying. I'm just
1: saying traditionally. Leave the doors open at night. Leave the windows open at night. Cool off the house. And then enjoy the day. Well, let's cook. Let's cook all without
0: right. uh, heating up our house too much.
1: And let's not take
0: the easy way out because not everyone has a charcoal grill and all that kind of thing. So let's stay in our indoor kitchen sure. and cook in, uh, so a couple of easy suppers that people can make and not uh, be quick about it and not go crazy on heating up the house.
1: So I'll start with my favorite Greek salad.
2: Mm, yes, that? please.
1: Because that's an easy one to do. It's cold. You don't have to turn any heat on. As long as you buy good feta cheese made from goat milk, or uh, sheep milk, I mean. And, um, you know, you get good tomatoes, good cucumbers, uh, red onion, some beautiful olives. I throw all these together, a bunch mm-hmm. of tarragon and mm-hmm. chives, maybe some basil if I have some in my backyard. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do, then I started doing couple of days ago, anise isop is booming right now in my backyard. So I start using the anise isop again because you forget about that, but then it comes back and then you're like, oh, my God, it tastes so good. Um, but a good Greek salad and then obviously uh, crumbled feta, uh, good olive oil, good, good uh, seasoning, salt and pepper, light on the salt because the feta is pretty salty, and olives are salty also. And then if you want to garnish this with something – you have a few options. Now, if you're going to turn the barbecue on, I recommend grilling some sardines. Remember,
0: wait, 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 wait. We're, we're staying indoors. Okay, I'm
1: staying indoors. Sardines, I have a, I brought back some sardines from France. Sardines that are cooked in um, um, confit, you know, like in the can, but it's got lemon in it, mm-hmm. lemon slices and oranges. So that's oranges. a good point.
0: People can open a tin of seafood for yeah. their Greek salad and yeah. never turn on the stove at all for that little no. dish.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't have to just be crummy tuna salad, it could be beautiful albacore from right off the shore here, mm-hmm. or it could be uh, some sardines, Or and if you're not a sardine fan, you could change that to cold cut. You could yeah. have, you know, you could you do You can some... buy smoked oysters. You can yeah, buy all I mean, sorts of things in a tin.
0: Yeah. So, so my one is going to be, uh, uh, to me, my daughter always loved a good quesadilla. So okay. it's also, it's twofold, right? It's super fast to cook. But also you can use up all the little bits of leftovers in your kitchen. A few Mama Littles peppers at the bottom of the jar. Uh, You know, maybe some leftover uh, rotisserie chicken. The half Uh,
1: avocado that's been ready to eat. Exactly,
0: make a little uh, guac, uh, salsa in the jar, Uh, any sort of thing like that. I think the trick to mine is, so now I'm going to turn my heat on and I'm going to get to a medium temperature. I have one of those large flat round griddles. Uh And so I'm going to get to a medium heat And I'm going to sprinkle my grated cheese on the griddle. Then I put my quesadilla. Remember that over at Cantina Leña? Yes. I put my quesadilla on the cheese that's melting, and it melts to the quesadilla, and it browns and gets crunchy. Nice and crunchy and crispy. So then then you just turn it over, and you've got this crunchy cheese quesadilla. Of course, there's cheese on the inside, too. Right. But uh, this is a whole different kind of crust on it. Five, six, seven minutes later, you're done. uh, The griddle's off. Everything's... Uh, still a decent temperature in your home kitchen. Yeah, get, getting... Work. You can put anything in a quesadilla.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, even, you know, getting some good corn tortilla and making a meal out of that is so simple and so easy. This is where you get rid of that two green onions that are in your fridge, the mm-hmm. half avocado, just a bit of an onion, that's a half lemon, you know. I love of,
0: using that stuff up. Oh,
1: me too. Yeah. And, and it works really well. Like, I have a little bit of pork roast left in my fridge. Same thing. You just slice a few slices, Julian, that, put that on top of your, of your tortilla, and you get a wonderful tortilla. Yeah, I mean, it's lovely. like...
2: Pamela? I took inspiration from the New York Times uh, recipe this week that said 10 that you have to know, and it's going to sound disgusting at first, but it was a tuna mayo bowl. But this was... Why does it sound disgusting? Okay, because I think mayonnaise You're and, making your own mayo? And, and, and no... No, that's like okay. you're augmenting it with sesame oil I feel like he's and judging soy. You
1: right now, <laughs> no, I'm asking. I'm asking questions. I'm not judging. I don't you're care. judging right now.
2: But it, the flavor combination <laughs> was incredible. It recommended a short grain white, but I am now addicted to the germinated brown rice, mm-hmm. the GABA that you oh. see uh, in the Asian section of the store. It's a little bit nuttier. And what is it, it. called? G A B A for G-A-B-A. the G-A-B-A. amino acid. Gaba. That's in that rice uh, when it's germinated, but it's you mix the rice with a mayonnaise that's been doctored up with soy and sesame oil, uh-huh. and uh, use a high quality canned tuna, sure. and it all gets blended into the rice and finished with furikake, additional sesame seeds, mm. and I put in some real lemony avocado slices. Mm-hmm. It was so fast and so. Easy and yeah. so cold and cold. Yeah, yeah.
0: you never you did turn on your stove there. Yeah, yeah. So well, unless weird. you unless you didn't have you could you even add
1: lettuce and do a wrap. Or oh, you could I know do all kinds of things with that too if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool, very cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. it was great. Any nice. sort of bowl cooking like that where you're putting like a poke bowl together. Again, you can use up leftovers, but you can plan it plan it through also. Yeah, but you have to be. I mean, you just have to decide where you want to use your heat, right? Right. It's ninety degrees. You're in Seattle. There's no AC in many houses. Uh, for me, I have no problem. I'll turn on the stove, but I won't turn on the oven. Right? I'll use right. my broiler. Right. Broilers are interesting. I think In my broilers. house, my broiler hits, heats up my griddle, so then it stays hot. But I understand what you're saying. Or even a torch. Like maybe you want to give it the outside of your tuna a sear with your hand torch. Yeah,
1: or even but turn on your barbecue outside and you won't not have any heat. are using the
0: barbecue outside.
1: I know you keep saying no, but I do have one outside and that I was use the it. the rule of this There's no rule. I'm trying to stay keep the the heat out of the kitchen.
2: Uh, Anyway, yeah. The article reminded us to use your broiler. Yeah, especially Mm -hmm. for simple white fish. That it's uh, quick, it's fast. Yeah, rockfish is so plentiful right now, and it behaves beautifully with a tapenade. Have your
1: butcher butterfly it, so you Mm -hmm. can just put a little fresh herb and butter on top of that. Put it under the broiler, and in five minutes you get your fish cooked.
2: And, and, and you throw in some onions, of course. Of course. There's a brand of curry <laughs> sauce out there. Uh,
0: it's under the Ma- – I, I use the Maya Kamal. It's probably, I love those products. Yeah, I think they're really good, and they're super fast. And so, again, if you have something left over, uh, like I had some of my um, my Columbia River Springer King left over, if you just heat that up slowly in a little bit of their tiki masala sauce or their, mm. their butter masala or something like that, it's very simple, very fast – right. And, and put it over vegetables, steamed yeah, vegetables. Yeah, that sounds good. Or, yeah, easy.
2: Or ground dark turkey. Yeah. That's one of your favorites. That's one of my favorites. So you have to That's buy the, it when you see it, the dark meat. Yeah. I never buy that. I should try that. Fast dinner.
0: All right, when we come back, it's time for Food for Thought Tasty Trivia brought to you by Rub With Love right here on the Hot Stove Society Show, Cairo Radio ninety-seven three FM. welcome back it's the hot stove society show on cairo we're going to wrap things up with our rub with love food for thought tasty trivia rub with love are tasty spice rubs and blends uh that are looking for unique ways to help you build flavor and stock a pantry in your own kitchen it's a valuable tool i used three yesterday on my class here uh which was they were delicious i love i love my my spice blends we also have sauces and mustards and as Gigi and Frank had uh, the mustard on their Dahlia Bakery breakfast sandwich today. Now, what store do you own in Columbia City?
4: I own a furniture store called Phase 2 Interiors. Phase High-end consignment.
0: High-end consignment, which means it's expensive and beautiful. <laughs> and, and where is like it, where is it in Columbia?
4: It's off of Rainier and Edmonds.
0: Oh, yeah. Olympia Admin.
4: Coffee. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. I'm coming down. I love that awesome. kind of store. So I'm a... I'm a a junker, but with you, it'll, what do you call a junker when it goes to the high end stuff? Quality. Are, are we still a quality junker? <laughs> a high
3: end junker. I'm a quality smart junker. shopper.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, rub with love is available all around Puget Sound and beyond. Pay less foods on Whidbey, Camino Plaza, IGO, and Camino Durico's Market on Long Island, New York. So we're coast to coast, coast, to coast. literally. All right, Pamela. Who's uh, I know who our winners are
2: going to be. Frank and Gigi. You're a sucker for that. (laughs) Gigi and (laughs) honk. And then uh, what are they going to win, and how do we play the game? They're going to get to choose a trio of rubs that they need in their pantries. And uh, each of our three contestants are going to get five questions. We're going to see who gets the most right. All right, let's start. All right. You have to be a Francophile to win, because I know you like to theme your puzzle. We've got a French theme today in honor of our beloved Mr. Rotero being back. All right. Number one, eclairs have an interesting meaning behind their name. An eclair is a chocolate-covered shoe pastry filled with a fluffy light cream that everyone loves. What does the name translate to? Okay,
1: first I want to tell you that I went through France for three weeks, and I, that's one thing that I ate the most through France because I love coffee eclair. Yes, so does Oh Tom. my God, they're so good. But they're not anyway. like, the, like <laughs> the baguette, right? Eclair means strike, as in... Thunder and strike. Strike of lightning. A flash of lightning.
2: lightning. Correct. Number two, the French love their baguettes. Around 10 billion are sold every year. Uh, but there are strict laws that govern baguette production. The law states that traditional baguettes may contain only four ingredients. What are they?
1: Ooh, that's a good question flour, yeah. yeast, water, and salt.
2: Correct. You're sh- screaming into the lead. Well, that would be my. <laughs> I can't come up with any more and I'd grind you in some like it. has gotta be Number, got number three, the famous croissant and baguette were not invented by the French. Like French fries and French oh. toast, these items originate in what country?
1: The croissant is not French? No. It was not. Sacre a. bleu. <laughs>
2: uh, I'm living.
1: That's how I understood I'm living in France. Um, who could have invented the croissant? So I w- I'm gonna guess. Hmm. Julie Child. Yeah, the Italians. I'm going to get the Russian. <laughs> How's that? Austria.
2: Austria. Austria. I was
1: close.
0: Somewhere <laughs> between, the Bionese. Bionese. between <laughs> Russia and Italy. These pastries very famous, chef.
2: Visit any grocery store in France, and you will notice that all of the milk is stored on the shelves. Why is the milk on the shelves and not in the fridge?
1: Because it's ultra pasteurized.
2: Exactly. Shelf
1: life of unbelievable amount. You can keep a carton of milk on your shelf. Or at least a year and a half, two years. No problem.
2: Thank you, Louis Pasteur. Yes. Number five, many French people love eating snails. Why? I, I
1: can't think <laughs> just, of one good reason, Just because co- they want to be different. They want um, to gross everyone else out. You know, they like to beat themselves up. with. <laughs> uh, why do they? Because they're everywhere when it rains, and they're cheap. They're easy to pick. They don't run away.
0: They don't run and, away. Uh, you know, they are much slower than a rabbit. It's a bit slower, yeah,
1: slower than a rabbit, so it's easier. And uh, I think it's a delicacy in France, all over France. Uh, I had some when I was in France, actually. Why, I, why do they eat it? I can't come up with anything
2: better than that. They don't run away. Like, any answer is yeah. correct. But the the website said because of their high protein value and low in fat. I uh, think that's absa-
1: I think that's a joke because <laughs> there is not a single French person that will eat snail without a lot of garlic butter. <laughs> right. So the fact that they're low on fat has nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> so that definitely I'm calling no way on that.
2: All right, four to five. And uh, really good. Gigi and Frank, welcome Gigi, to the Gigi four <laughs> is the number to beat. Number 1, is it common to rec- request food substitutions in French restaurants?
3: My answer is no.
2: You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> they they do not play this game that, Monsieur, that we oh, do no, here. No, Monsieur. <laughs> uh, French food is simple is simple and rarely spicy. Um, most often, um, celebrated with bouquet garni, a collection of various aromatic herbs. Can you name any of the herbs in a bouquet garni?
3: Rosemary.
2: You have time, time for this? Oh! <laughs> yeah! Actually, rosemary is not part of bouquet <laughs> garni. It's bay
1: leaf, uh, thyme, leeks. That's it. Okay. That's a three. Time, and parsley, and parsley. Thyme,
2: parsley, bay yeah. leaf. Yeah. yeah. She, she got time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Point 0.5. <laughs> no, no, one. She got time. True or false? No one says, uh, in France, they do not say bon appetit before they eat. True. No, True. that's from. What do you mean? They don't they say don't. bon appétit. Oh, well, they
1: don't say bon appétit because we don't pronounce the T at the end of bon appétit. But they do say bon appétit. You know, it's, it's actually common in households household to just go, okay, bon appétit.
2: And then you take your glass and you go, santé. This, uh, the, this website said you, you wouldn't say it because it translates to good gastric course. And that would be rude to say to someone before eating. <laughs> That's not, well... Okay, um, we'll keep it at that. Number four, is there a ketchup ban in France?
3: Our answer is no.
2: <laughs> the answer is yes.
1: There is a lot of
2: ketchup sold in France. And no, she said ban. Ban. Oh, ban, pardon me, yes. That's yes. what I meant. Not ban, ban. Ban. There is a ban on unlimited ketchup for schools and colleges in France. And right now they have a shortage
1: of Mustard.
2: What? Yeah, this is horrible. France is out of mustard. And your final one: throwing away spare food in France is against the law. True or false? True. True is correct. That's right. Are they tied with you, Terry? Yeah. Wow, this is fantastic competition. They have five out of five. We give them. (laughs) Fantastic competition this morning, Tom Douglas. Mm -hmm. What is the popular shape for the morning coffee vessel? <laughs> I love I love the question she gives you. I'm like, a, a bowl. A bowl.
4: <laughs> no. no. It's
1: very specific like the cafe au lait comes
2: in a That's bowl. That's not what she asked She <laughs> yes, said so coffee. She
1: um, espresso does not come in a
2: bowl. No, no, you're right. It comes in a tasse. Number two. What is the name of the French bankers Saint? Saint um bread. <laughs> you mean Fred? <laughs> Saint Honoré, what? who is believed to have a baker's peel that put down roots and tr- that transformed into a fruiting tree.
1: <coughs> that is correct.
2: That is correct. That's the story and uh, they're sticking by it. Number three, do French people really eat frog's legs? They do. I've had them in France. I had some. And what, how do you pronounce this, Terry? Cuisse Cuis de g- grenouille. Yes. Say that again, please. Cuisse de Grenouille and it, what, that is just means, the frog leg. It means leg. leg of frog.
0: Yeah. All right. But there's a way that they per, uh, cook it oftentimes called gren gren not grenoble but Oh, cuisine
1: de grenouille à la grenobloise. Yeah. Grenobloise. Yeah. grenobloise. That's what. Grenobloise. I, in the town of Fleury I had the I had the that. I had I had some uh, also plate of it. It was beautiful.
2: What is the name of the special cake made in January to celebrate Epiphany? Oh, the King's cake. Exactly. Can you say it in French? The King's cake. <laughs> Would you say no? It? no the King's, King's is, uh, <laughs> uh, King King cake. <laughs> no. Galette des Rois. Thank you. <laughs> Good job, Tom. And Make finally, sure. um, which of the t- traditional vegetables on a crudite platter are not found? In a French crudité plaza, a platter, tomatoes and peppers <laughs> are not found. Correct. <laughs> it's celery. There's no celery on crudité platters. Celery is always <laughs> getting the raw end of the stick oh, on a
1: crudité platter, and they're having a shortage of. Celery as well in France and
2: mustard. This is a they're tough out of mustard year. and they're
1: having shortage of celery. It's All right, so. <laughs>
0: thank you for joining us. Congratulations on your big win today. That's, that's Gigi and Franck. Uh, and go see them down there in in uh, Columbia City. Uh, you're listening to us on the Cairo Radio. where the Hot Stove Society Radio Show. is produced by Pamela Hinckley, Sean McFadden, and our editor is Sean Don Cami Del Torre. Remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society Show.
1: You can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the Pride Parade.